Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. There we go. Uh, dude, I don't know about this. It'll be fine. Just saying. Uh, you know what you're doing? Yes, it's gonna be fine. Just saying. Hun? Faucet broke. I got this. What? See, I told you it'd be fine. Just saying. Oh, bam! Come on. Sorry. Hey, Dad, can I have some candy? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah! But it's 9 o'clock. It's bedtime. It'll be fine. All right, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Do you need some lighter fluid or anything? No, man, I got this. Oh man, that is so awesome. Good morning, welcome to ACF Church. So glad that you're here to worship with us. Wanna welcome everybody who is watching online as well through Facebook Live. Last week, uh, Brian, Pastor Brian challenged uh, you guys to uh, share 100 times, and we went over that, and we normally have about 1,000 views on our Facebook Live feed. Last week, over 4,000 views uh, from Facebook alone. So that's awesome. And if you guys want to get your phones out, normally you don't get told that in church, but get your phones out and go ahead and share it again. Let your friends know that you are here, um, and that maybe they can join you online. And be a nice uh, thing to talk about later on as well. So um, that is awesome. Hey, my name is Stuart. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church. Uh, We're continuing on in our series, Just Saying. And we're going through the book of 1 John, a book in the Bible, a little tiny one towards the end, uh, written by um, one of the apostles, John. And uh, this is towards the end of his life. And we've said it before, and I'll, and I'll repeat it. Maybe you've got a relative who just has lost that filter as they get older. Um, every family's kind of got one where it's just the truth teller in the family, maybe too much truth. Um, but it just always hits hard and never beats around the bush. And that's kind of John when he's writing this letter uh, to believers. He's just telling us the truth and he's saying it like it is. And sometimes it maybe is a little hard to swallow. Uh, sometimes it's maybe right up in our face, uh, but in a good and loving way. And he says, he repeats throughout the book, uh, dear children, uh, and he even starts our passage off uh, that we're going to look at today with that phrase. Uh, we're going to start in... Uh, First uh, John chapter 2, uh, we're going to look at verse 28. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to there, maybe on your phone app. Uh, it'll be on the screen too. Uh, if you're just like, you know, I just want to kind of sit back and, and relax a little bit on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, don't want to fumble through a Bible. You can look and it'll be on there. We, we've got you covered. Uh, but if you want to look at a, at a real Bible, you're going to find one in a seat uh, under, uh, under a seat in front of you somewhere nearby. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, take that Bible, write your name in it, and take it home. It's yours. We'd love you to have that uh, as our gift to you. So I, 
When I uh, graduated college back in Tucson, I moved up to Colorado Springs, and the first job I got was a temporary job at Focus on the Family, which is a big Christian ministry radio program, and uh, they produce some different things. Um, But I got a job uh, starting off temporary in their distribution center, and the first full-time job with benefits that I was offered uh, was a night shift job. And this night shift uh, was a small crew, uh, six to eight people. Uh, We were hired, and we were basically hired uh, to get them past a, major, past a major Christmas rush that they were behind. So we would come in at night and finish up each department's jobs uh, that they didn't finish during the day. And so in a production area, you've got like, you know, the line restocking of materials to uh, fulfill orders. You've got the packaging of those materials, the sorting for uh, some of its UPS, some of its uh, postal service and, you know, different zip code sorting. Uh, you've got a letter uh, production area where they're, you know, putting letters, they're folding them into envelopes, and then they're, um, you know, addressing and, and stamping, uh, stamping and, you know, the big super fast sorting machines. We've got warehouse work. So we got to learn all these different jobs. Uh, but really cool part about this was it was a very defined task. We didn't just make up new work. It was not an endless thing of work. So on some nights, Uh, If we finished early with all those jobs, we could go to the break room and just watch TV and talk to each other, make phone calls. Um, It was kind of about the time where internet was just coming out, so some of us were surfing the internet and just kind of enjoying life. We got to basically kick your feet back and get paid, which was awesome. Um, And so early on, we'd finish our job. We'd get the checklist at the beginning of the night. We'd finish our job, and we'd be sitting in the break room, and our supervisor would come in, and he's like, hey, did you finish everything? We're like, yeah, we finished everything. And he would disappear. And he would go check every area. And he'd come back early on, and he'd be like, nah, give us the thumbs down. Like, get back out there. You, you missed a few spots. There's some more work that you can do, because he wanted us to be productive. Um, but as we kind of grew together as a team, uh, as we got to know our supervisor better uh, and kind of our limits, we would not only finish the jobs he gave us, but we started figuring out, like, okay, we got to empty the garbage. we got to sweep behind the racks. we got to make sure that this place looks beautiful. Um, so we, we knew. So then we would sit in the break room. He'd come in, and did you finish your jobs? And we'd be like, yes, we did. And he would disappear. And he's trying to prove us wrong, but he'd come back in and go, yeah, you're good. Four hours of whatever you want to do. Uh, we just couldn't leave. But we got paid for it, so it was pretty awesome. And that gave us, we had confidence because we had got to know him, and we had done the job really well. We had paid attention to those details and worked hard to get there. Uh, And we want that same confidence, I think, before God as believers. We want to know where we stand with the God who created us. Uh, But we oftentimes, I think, wonder, am I right with God? Am I on the end with God? Is he mad at me? Is he happy with me? Where do I stand? And I think John is writing this section of of his letter to address that issue so that we can have confidence. So we're going to look at John chapter 2, starting in verse 28. Here we go. We're going to go pretty quickly through this book because I want to get to some practical things at the end. It says, and now, little children. So there's that. He's, he's going to say something hard, so he's going to start it off with, hey, I want, I want you to know that I care about you um, as a, like a father would care about their child. So now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. We can have confidence in our standing before God. When Jesus comes back, we can have confidence that we're right with God. And that confidence comes from abiding with God. And when we abide with God, it's going to show up in righteous behavior and how we live our lives. It, it can't help but do that. But it really begs the question then, and he uses this term, abide, uh, in, this, in, in his letter, uh, t- over 20 times, so we probably should know what the word abide means. Uh, we use it as maybe a churchy word, because I don't 
I can't think if I've ever used the word abide not in church. So, but we do want to define it because it's, it's kind of important to John. Um, and so God who directed John to write this, it's important to him too. Um, I looked it up on the internet. So here is the, what well, it's true evidently. Um, remain in one place to dwell, to be present, to live, to take up residence is what abide means. And the example I thought about was my wife and I love to go on vacation to a little island, um, the Garden Island of Kauai in Hawaii. We don't get to go there nearly as often as we would like, but when we go there, I can tell you that we know which beaches we're going to go to, I know which restaurants we're going to hit, I know which trails we're going to go hike, uh, because there's easy trails that you don't have to be in shape for, and those are the kind I go for, Um, but they're fun. I can tell you that we cherry-pick the experience. We want to get the maximum enjoyment out of that very short time that we're there, because we know at the end of the week, we're going back home. I can tell you that for lunch on Kauai, every day when we're there, we're going to be eating at Costco because they have $1.50 hot dogs. It's price fixed. It's awesome. I love Costco for that. You get your soda, you get your hot dog, and you put as much fixings on it, so you basically get a salad of onions and uh, uh, pickle relish on there as well. So <clears throat> it's different. When we moved up here almost three years ago from Tucson, we got everything ready to sell our house, right? We started giving stuff to people. We started selling some of our stuff off, um, cleared our house out, put it in a truck. We cleaned the house. We put it up on the market. Uh, Someone bought it, so it's no longer ours. The deed changed hands. We drove all of our stuff up here, and some people who helped me move into a house up here were like, you should have gotten rid of more stuff. Um, And you know who you are. You're like, yes, we helped you move three times in this city. Um, We finally have a home that we own now, and we're super excited about it. But we bought a home. We changed all of our uh, uh, utility bills into our name here. We registered our cars up here. I went to DMV. I had to take the the license uh, test again so I could transfer my driver's license up here. and just, just, I learned that you also have to take the motorcycle test, which is a written test here, because uh, I wanted to keep that endorsement on my license. Every other state I've been to, it's just an automatic stamp. There you go. You can drive a motorcycle. Here, they want to make sure you know what you're doing. Um, and I passed, which was cool. But took up residence. I'm starting to get to know people in this city. Right away, I want to make longer-term contacts, because I know I'm going to be seeing the person at Alaska USA again, right? I'm going to be seeing the, the, the people I interact with at Fred Meyer's or the Tesoro, those are the people I'm going to be interacting with on a regular basis in my new home. Uh, it's more of a permanent getting to know. I get, uh, one of the ways I, anytime I've moved to a new city is I'll go get lost in my car and try to drive around until I don't know where I am, and then I try to figure out how to get back to where I need to be. Um, and my wife says it doesn't work. She says I still have no idea where I'm going, but I, I try. So I'm really getting to know and, and diving in um, to a new community, right? Uh, it's different than vacationing. It's a longer-term commitment, and that's more of the idea of abiding uh, here in this, this part of Scripture. So when I was a kid, I do remember seeing, um, a, maybe you'd, if you're old, old enough like me, um, I, I saw a yellow button as a kid. Somebody was wearing it, and it said, try Jesus. And I just remember thinking, that's really cool. Like, you should check Jesus out. And then as I get older, I'm kind of like, nah, you can't really just try Jesus. Like, you just got like, to jump in, right? You know, it's like a pool. Trying Jesus is like d- dipping your toe in. Like, ah, I'm not sure, I need, to, you know, I need to think about this some more. Uh, and that's okay, you can think about it. But there's also the cannonball jump in the pool people, right? And that's kind of what abiding is more like, is like, I'm jumping in, all in. I've got enough information to know I want to go swimming. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care if there's slime in the bottom. I don't care if I don't have change of clothes. I'm going in no matter what happens. And we'll see where this journey leads. That's really abiding in God. Not jumping in, not knowing where it might lead. So we're going to continue on here um, now that we know what abide means and that we should be doing that, and that will give us confidence uh, in our standing before God. 
Let's continue on. It, it changes chapters in, in, our, in our passage here, but we're going to continue on. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. When we say yes to Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we can't help but see the result and change in the way we live our lives. That once we come in contact with Jesus, uh, it is a life-changing experience, and that will start to permeate all sorts of areas of our lives. Um, in, in verse, oh, I do want to make a point of this. When he says, and this is cool, like he says, what awesome love that God has given us that we could be called children of God. And he could have just stopped there and we're like, okay, that's kind of cool. He gave us a label, like we're children of God. It's like this, it's analogy he's using, but he doesn't. He stops and he makes the statement, and so we are. And he, it's an emphatic statement. He's saying, it's not just a cool thing to say that like, you know, we're following God. We're kind of like his children. And we think we are. God has changed our identity, changed who we are when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that the love of God is so great that he doesn't just say, yeah, you can follow me as, as, as just a servant. You can be my children. I will declare you my children. That's pretty cool. So that, that's that little phrase in there, and so we are. I love that it's in there. Um, the end of verse 1, when it says, the reason the world doesn't know us is because it did not know him. The use of the word know here is different than, it's used a lot in this little passage, if you look at it. It's different than just an intellectual understanding. Um, here what it means is like getting. Like you might say, I don't get why that person's doing what they're doing. I don't get them. What motivates them? I don't understand them. That's, that's kind of the, the understanding here. So it says the reason the world doesn't get you or understand what you're doing or why you're doing it is because it didn't get Jesus or why he was doing or what he was doing. So the more we follow God, the more we draw close, the more the world's going to go, what are you doing? More other people even in your family may go, I'm not quite sure what motivates you anymore. Like you're different. Um, they should see that. So you can write this down uh, if you're taking notes. We can have confidence in our faith when we are more concerned about what God thinks about what we're doing than what others think. When your decision-making process starts off with, what does God want me to do? Instead of, I wonder what people will think about what I'm doing. There's a pretty good chance you're starting to abide in God, that you're, you're, you're getting close to God. And it's coming out and I just want to please God. It's important to understand, though, that our doing things isn't doing things so that God will accept me. Once we've been declared children through faith in Jesus Christ, we have all the acceptance we're ever going to get. So we don't, we don't do the things that we do, because otherwise that just becomes empty religion. We just do things so that God will pay attention to me. Well, the reality is, nothing you or I do will ever get God's attention in a way that he says, oh, now you're good enough, you can be part of my family. Nothing we do. In case you're wondering, turn over to Romans chapter 3, verse 10. And this is Paul now writing. And he's writing, uh, he's quoting in this little section from the book of, of Psalms. Romans 3, uh, verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. 
Their ven- the venom of asps, and you gotta say that really slowly and carefully, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable before God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Super encouraging. You guys showed up on a Sunday morning and we're just saying nothing you do is gonna make you acceptable to God. That's awesome. Glad you're here. You're like, I'm glad I came. I'm glad I got coffee because... Otherwise, I don't know what I would do. But there's hope. And in just a few verses later, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and this one may be familiar, but I'm going to read 23 and then that verse after it as well, 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our right standing before God is based solely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not on anything that we can do. But our identity as children of God will motivate us to do things that are pleasing to God. The closer we get to a righteous God, the more we're going to start to reflect that righteousness and the more we're going to start to desire to reflect that righteousness. Knowing our our identity is key. Knowing that God has declared us to be okay as part of his family, accepted into that fold, is super important. And you can write this down. Our identity directs our actions. Our identity directs our actions. And I want to talk about two different, well, one word, but two different concepts of that word. And the word is sanctified. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God sanctifies us, declares us holy, set apart, is what that word means. But we also go through a process called sanctification, which is confusingly slightly different process. So we are declared righteous. We're a child of God. We can't be any more accepted than we, than we are right now before God because of what Jesus Christ did. But then we go through this process, a lifelong process, of aligning our desire and our behavior with who we have been declared to be. We're, we're children of God. But when we first say yes to Jesus, we don't act like it. We don't under, even understand what, what that truly means. But as we walk with God, as we get closer to God, we start to see areas of our life that get drawn out by God that we need to address, that we need to change, that we need to improve on or or expand upon. So there's, I am sanctified and I'm being sanctified. Is that confusing enough for us all? Because they couldn't have come up with a different word, but that's the words they came up with, right? So when Jesus appears again, we are going to be, that process of sanctification is going to be complete. We will be just like him. We're going to be changed in an instant so that our behavior, our desires, and our identity will all line up as one. And there won't be this disparity that we have right now where our identity is children of God and our behavior sometimes doesn't show it. If we have that understanding that our identity drives our behavior, then we're going to start to to really address some of those issues in our lives. And it says at the end of that little passage we just read that we'll seek to purify our lives. So we continue on in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one abide, who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. 
Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not live, uh, love his brother. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. John is really, in this little section, is detailing two kinds of people. Those who love God and abide in God and act righteously, and those who don't love God, don't abide in God, and act unrighteously. He's got two kinds of people, and he defines that. His argument is pretty simple. If you've come in contact with, with God, you can't help but have that alter the way you live. If you haven't come in contact with God, there'll be no change. You won't see that pursuit of righteousness. You know, I know in this room that there are different types of people. There's some of you who've been walking with God a long time, and you've allowed God to, uh, as you've drawn close to God, you've allowed God to address issues in your life, and you've responded to that, and you have grown, and you have matured in your walk with God, and you're on that path, and you know it. There's others that maybe you just said recently yes to Jesus, and you just jumped in the pool, and you're not quite sure where that's going to lead yet, but you have a desire to hear the truth and a desire to grow, um, and you're, 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 you're working on that. You're working on discovering and implementing that. And there's others in this room who maybe you came because uh, uh, you, you enjoy hanging out with, with some of the Jesus folks that are here. You like our community. People say hi to you on the way in. You've got some Kaladi's coffee. Um, it, it's a comfortable place to be. You like the positive attitude, but, but you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. Uh, you just like hanging around our community, and that's cool. We're glad you're here. Uh, there's also some people here that maybe you got drugged by um, your spouse or a friend. You promised you know, your, your mom that you would show up, so you did, and we're, we're super glad you're here. But you really don't, you're not seeking the truth. You're not, you, know, you have no desire to do that. But here at ACF, I want you to know that no matter where you are today, we're glad you're here. We want this to be a place where we can seek the truth together. We can, we can ask questions openly and pursue answers, pursue that truth that God has for us. Um, so we're super glad uh, that, that you guys are here. So in our passage, John is either going to say, you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's really no in-between. You're one or the other. So, and it's super, super encouraging, right? Because you came last week and Pastor Brian said, you, you might be the Antichrist. And this week, I'm telling you, you're probably a child of the devil too. So we're, we're just here to love you. <laughs> you know, I'm a people watcher. And I remember back in Tucson, um, there's a, a mall called the Park Place Mall. And it's, it's a nice air-conditioned mall. Right, right now, there are over 100, and it's a great place to go. I love, I don't like shopping so much in malls. I love going to sit in this one. They had leather couches in the middle, big chairs, flop down. I just love watching people go by. And I kind of wonder, like, where they're coming from, where they're going, what they're doing. Uh, what they're thinking, like, you know, how they're interacting with their, their people they're with, their kids. Like, are they, you know, do I think they're good parents or bad parents? Um, why did they come out of the house? Do they own a mirror? Maybe they're going to shop for a mirror because they should have, because you see what they're wearing. Um, yeah, I judge all the time. I know I'm not supposed to. It's, I'm in process. But I love watching people, but I'm not involved in any of their lives, right? They just go by, you know, for a few seconds, and then they're, they're in and out. And I think some of us we view our relationship with God that way. We like to kind of come and hang out and watch this thing go on, this church thing, the, 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 the things that ACF maybe does in the community. We love that, we'd be associated with that, but we're not part of it. I think a lot of us, we, we kind of get to that point, and John is writing this to make sure that we can clarify that. John is writing to, to really address that tendency 
uh, to think that we're following when really we're just following our own desires, but we enjoy kind of the ride. Um, and so that's kind of where we are. So it, it really does, it, it drives us to evaluate what is in our heart. Um, so that, that's where we are this morning. Uh, John has a simple test and then an example, uh, whether we're abiding in, abiding in God or seeking um, righteousness. Um, basically, he's saying it's going to show in the way you treat people. Ultimately, if you are drawing close to God, if we're abiding in God, it's going to lead to us working towards righteousness in our life, and that righteousness has to come out in our love for people. So you can ask yourself, do I care deeply? Do I love the people who love God? And if the answer is yes, there's a good chance you're abiding in God. There's a good chance that you're, 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 on, that, that, uh, you're on that trail. So if you're not sure, like, am I abiding? Am I drawing close to God? Am I pursuing righteousness? Is, are there positive changes that are godly in my life? Or am I just kind of becoming more selfish or, or hardened in who I am and what I'm doing? Um, someone said a few weeks ago, ask your spouse. And if you, if you don't want to ask your spouse, you don't have a spouse, you can ask, you know, if you're a parent, ask your child. If you're a child, ask your, ask your parent or a coworker or a good friend or uh, a sibling. Um, am I becoming more righteous, more like Jesus, or am I becoming just kind of hardened in my own desires? They'll tell you, um, and that can be eye-opening. What defines me? Ask them that question. That's a hard one to hear. If you want to hear the answer, they'll tell you. Um, I know I'm growing. I want to give you an example of, of some growth in my own life. Um, so we went dip netting uh, last week, and um, this year we did awesome, so I was super excited. Um, but I borrowed a four-wheeler and an ATV trailer uh, from someone in the church, so I had to go pick it up, and um, I had to get it back to my house, and we, I, I didn't feel confident it would go 65 miles an hour on the Glen um, without you know, fumbling off and flying through the windshield. The, the trailer was a big issue. It was like a big wind catch on the back of my truck. Um, so I took the old Glen so I could go slower, which is ironic, because as I passed the fire station on the old Glen, there's a police car sitting there, and I'm talking to my wife, not paying attention to really much, um, just trying to get home, and I remember seeing it and immediately told my wife, I got to go, I'm going to get a ticket. <laughs> and sure enough, as I passed it, I slowed down, you know, I tried to do everything, but I knew, like, he, I was dead to rights. Uh, lights go on, and so I just pull right off, like, I'm, I know, put the window down, hands on the steering wheel. He gets out, and he, he was like, Super clean cut, got the sunglasses, his uniform is perfect, and he has that swagger, like, I love my job. And I'm thinking, I am so going to get this, like, this, there's no, no question, I'm getting this ticket, probably a lecture, um, this is going to be awesome. So I'm just sitting there, comes up, do you know why I pulled you over? I, I said, I think you have a pretty good idea, or I have a pretty good idea. And he said, how fast do you think you were going? I go, 50, you always try to shoot low right there, you know. 50, 55, he's like 57. Um, he goes, do you know what the speed limit is? I said, 45? He goes, yes, it is. Um, can I have your license, please? And, uh, and proof of insurance. So license, and then I'm fumbling through my truck, and I cannot find proof of my truck insurance. I found seven copies of proof of my Jeep insurance, which did not help. He finally just saw, like, my distraught, you know, and we, we chit-chatted for a little bit more and talked about different things, and then he went back to his car, and I'm in my mind going, I'm getting a ticket. Um, and just, you know, I wasn't upset or anything at that point. I knew that I, would been, I was speeding. I knew it. I just got distracted. Um, well, he comes back up, and he says, I'm going to give you a huge break today. Uh, and he told me why. He said, because you were respectful, truthful, and kind. I'm going to let you off with a warning. Slow it down. Um, and I get a little choked up because I've always been that to 
police officers. You know how your, your use of the word sir like goes exponential when you get pulled over by the police? If you have it, it will. And you don't know why you're saying sir all the time. You don't ever call anyone else sir, but you do suddenly then, unless you're military, then you're calling everybody sir. But, um, but in the past, this is what I noticed. Like God gave me like some insight into my own heart, which was cool. In the past, I was nice because I wanted to get out of the ticket. Right? We all want to get out of the ticket. And I wanted to get out of that ticket too, but I just knew I wasn't. I just felt when I saw him get out of the car and I saw like he is like the epitome of an APD officer, I just knew, like I felt this thing inside me say, show him my love. Be kind. So I, I just decided I was going to encourage him. And I did. And that was a change. I still want to get out of the ticket. But it was a, change, a slight change in motivation. So it doesn't sound like a big thing. But I noticed because I've been drawing near to God that I had an opportunity with someone that I wasn't expecting to show kindness to. And I got to show kindness for the right reason uh, to this person. So I can see little steps as I grow. You know, and I think as I, I go through my Christian walk, I have this crazy idea that if I draw close to God, if, I, if I'm abiding in God and I'm working towards righteousness, that suddenly things are going to get easier. Choices that come to me are going to be super black and white. They're going to be so easy to, to tell, like, oh, this is, a, this is a choice where I can be righteous or, or not. But I haven't found that to be true at all in my life. What I find is as I draw close to God, I still have very mucky, gray area choices that I have to make, things that are hard uh, to decide in, in, in my life. Things like, what do I do? What choice do I make when I'm going through a hard, long period in my marriage? What do I do? How do I interact? What do I do when I walk into a test that I did not study for and a friend says, oh, you, you can copy my answers. And I know in my head that if I don't get a good grade in this class, my scholarship goes away. What, what decision do I make? It's easy, and for me, this is like maybe a, a more real one for me. Like, I can commit to, to serving here at ACF on a Sunday morning from like a month away and it sounds awesome and I go, I'm serving. It feels good. I want to. I want to help people. And then the alarm goes off on that Sunday morning and I'm like, it's 5.30. I don't really want to serve. What decision do I make? I can say, oh, I can't make it today or I'm going to be late. I can sleep in a little bit more. I have a choice to make, right? And those are the decisions that we make based on are we drawing near to God and doing what we, we, we know we should or are we really making our own decision and we're not including God in it at all? You know, I was faced with a real life choice last week. Um, last Sunday afternoon, my, my three-year-old, who's now four, we were celebrating her four-year, it was actually her birthday on Sunday, um, and she wanted to go to that awesome Alaskan restaurant, Arby's. And so we went there and so we got my family. We, it's, it's, it wasn't quite all chaos. You know, kids were a little focused because they knew that it was her birthday and it was super special. But, um, Somehow we got those, the orange cream milkshakes, and we have a one-year-old, and she's in the high chair, and she doesn't understand how the physics of straws work. So, you know, everyone knows you like, you suck up through the straw, right? Well, a one-year-old has no clue, so they start there, and then they kind of, you know, they, they're doing this, and um, you just pray that the lid holds, please, God. Um, and luckily it was thick enough not coming out, but she eventually fumbles it, and that thing hit the ground and just went boom under the table. And there's just like strawberry sugar mess everywhere. And I, I started thinking, like, somebody's job here is to, to clean this up. I'm, I think we should let them do it. And then I remembered I was wearing my love, love all, serve all shirt. <laughs> and there wasn't a lot of people in here, but it was like that reminder to me. You know, no one's going to see me do this. But that reminder, and I believe it was God saying, you do it. Take a step, grow. 
So I got a bunch of napkins, and I'm down under this nice, clean restaurant floor, swooping up this orange goo into big mounds of nastiness. Um, I knew I had a choice. It was like, the, me clear as day, I have a choice to do something God wants me to do or to do what was easy and, and, and convenient at the time. Cool side story was um, my nine-year-old um, got down on her hands and knees and started helping me out. Like, total parent win. Not my goal, but it was like, God let me do something that I should have done, and then I got to see something really cool as a result, too. So anyway, just, um, just me making a choice because I was wearing a shirt. Um, didn't say they're always righteous choices, but <laughs> so you can write this down. Righteousness is making right choices when it's hard because you trust God's plan is bigger than your immediate desire. Righteousness is making right choices when it's hard because you trust God's plan is bigger than your immediate desire. That's part of that abiding and drawing closer to God. We're going to finish off uh, reading through this part of Scripture with 1 John 3, 11 through 15. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was evil, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So John goes back and tells the story of Cain and Abel from Genesis. Um, we read there's two brothers, and they bring offerings to God. Abel brings his offering. Cain brings his offering. And they're different. And God accepts Abel's offering and is pleased with it and lets him know about it. And he lets Cain know that he's not happy with his offering. And Cain goes away, and he's hurt so much that he decides and he plots, and then he carries out the cold-blooded murder of his brother. And there's a couple things that I, I think John is trying to communicate in this, little, this, this passage of Scripture. Uh, the first thing is, if we follow God, uh, we will not always be treated nicely by those who are not following God. You're not guaranteed when you make the right choice that everyone's going to be celebrating and just clapping and cheering you on as you make, make um, inroads into to maturing with God. And even people inside the church may not enjoy uh, what you are doing, the changes that are happening. And the second thing I think he wants us to understand, if we look into our hearts and we only find spite and hatred for others, then we really should question whether we've met Jesus. And that's kind of the hard truth I think John has um, from this passage. If we look into our heart and there's only hate and, sp and spite for other people, for other believers, we ought to really examine whether we have truly come in contact with Jesus because Jesus loves those people. You can write this down. Our love for God is demonstrated in how we love others. Our love for God is demonstrated in how we love others. And so again, it's, it's important to realize or remember for us that we're not trying to do good things to be accepted by God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. We are, we are declared holy. We are his children. We're as accepted as we're ever going to be by Jesus at that moment. But because of the confidence that comes from that position before God, we then do righteous things. We want to line up who we are or what we do with who we are. And then eventually that will carry over in how we care about other people. So as I'm reading this section of Bible, there's two big questions that come to my mind. 
And I don't know if they come to your mind as we're reading through this. I know we went through this passage really fast because there's some stuff I want to get to real quick. Um, but the first question is, why do I sin or desire to sin as a Christian following God? Like, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I find that, like, I'm still, like, desiring to do stuff. I know that it's not right. I still make bad choices. If I had been wearing my love all, serve all shirt, I guarantee you I probably would have left that thing on the floor. Um, but because I was doing it, I was given a choice. So why do I still have that desire to let, you know, somebody else clean up my own mistakes or to, to hurt people or to say things that aren't quite as nice as they should be? Why does that still happen? And the reality is we are still given the opportunity to make choices. We have that free will. And even though we have a position as children of God, we have a lifetime of growing as children of God. And so as we abide and draw close to God, we're more likely to make choices that honor God and show righteousness. As we step away from that relationship with God, as we put distance between us and God, we're more likely to make choices that hurt ourselves or other people and that don't honor God. We're more likely to sin. Romans 6, and you can write this down, we're not gonna go to it, but if you just write Romans 6 and go read it, it really talks about this identity as when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, as Jesus was buried in the ground, so our old self was buried, and we were raised new, and that, that we don't need to live in sin anymore. We're no longer a slave to sin in our lives. We can choose righteousness. We have that ability. And when we do sin, we, we can find forgiveness, in our, and so we can restore that relationship with Jesus. And someone might ask, well, how do I know if I'm a believer struggling to get out of sin, and how do I know if I'm maybe just a sinner who's enjoying sinning? And someone gave this illustration, and I love it. It's like a sheep and a pig are walking along, and they fall into a mud pit. And the pig just like hunkers down and goes, I'm home. I love this. I'm staying put. Doesn't try to get out at all. The sheep, however, knows that's not where he's feeling uncomfortable, not where he wants to live. He struggles to get out. No matter how long it takes him, he's going to struggle to get out. Are you in the struggle to get out? Are you in the struggle to draw near to God? If you're in the struggle, there's a good chance that you've had an encounter with God. So the second question is not only why do I sin, but the second question is, what does it look like to abide in Jesus? I've thrown that word around. We, we defined it. We kind of gave examples. But what does it look like practically? Because I, I got to know, like, what, do, what am I supposed to do as a result to, to abide in God? Like, how do I draw near to God? Um, so I want to get kind of super practical, and it's really simple. You, you got to listen to God and talk to God. We talk about in church, we talk about relationship with God. It's no different really than a relationship you might have with another person. The more time you spend with them, you got to talk to them, you got to listen to them. Um, if you miss any of those steps, you don't spend time with them, you don't talk to them, or you, you don't listen, that relationship's going to be unbalanced, right? And the same is true with God. We, we need to have that back and forth communication. You're like, well, I can't see God. Well, that's true. So here's some things. First is God gave us the Bible. To, to help understand who he is. That's how he's chosen to communicate most directly with us. So we get commands. We don't steal. That's in there. Okay, so that's pretty clear. Something I shouldn't do. I should love my neighbor. That's something I should do. So there's commands that help us understand the character of God and, and how he would have us behave with other people. There's also, we can read how God interacted through people and nations throughout history. Uh, we can see people who made good choices or bad choices, uh, righteous choices, unrighteous choices, and what the result was and how God responded to them and to the people around them. So we can learn a lot about God's character uh, and how uh, we have a loving Father caring for us. Uh, but then what does that really look like? How is that like for practical? So um, as a 
uh, team here, uh, some of our lead team and our serve teams have gone through this, uh, even some of our uh, breakaway student leaders uh, may be familiar with this. And if you are, I'm going to maybe put you to the test here. Uh, there's a, an acronym that we use. We say SOAP. Have you soaped today? And if you've heard us overheard, or overheard us say that, we're not saying like, have you showered today, uh, which you should do, by the way. That's also very helpful in interacting and loving other people. But have you soaped today? It stands for something. It's, it's a way to help organize the way you approach God. So uh, there's nothing magical about it. It's just, it's a helpful thing that we found to, to help us get us on the right track. So uh, here's the acronym, S-O-A-P. And for those who have gone through this before, what does the S stand for? Scripture. Okay. I'm going to read scripture. Uh, we just read some scripture. So maybe something popped out at you. We read, what, 17 verses. So it wasn't super long. And as I want to tell you, too, when you read scripture, when someone says maybe, maybe a good way to start is to read a chapter a day. If you're like me, when I first heard that as a kid, I'm like, a chapter? Like, it takes me almost 30 minutes to read a chapter in a book. Uh, most chapters are just a way to divide the, the Bibles into ways that we can, can uh, organize it. Uh, most chapters will take you under two to three minutes to read. They're super short. They're not like normal, like a saga book chapters. So uh, a chapter a day is a pretty good way. We read almost a chapter today, not quite. Um, but read it. What jumps out at you? What is God calling to your attention? So, so maybe somewhere in there, there's a, a verse that pops out. So you write that down. And we, use the, we even have soap journals where it's already written in there, um, S-O-A-P. I, take, I have a, a leather-bound journal, and I just write S-O-A-P on it. And so I write scripture. So today maybe it's uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. So I write that out. That's what drew my attention, that I should abide in God, that that will give me confidence when Jesus comes and I should be pursuing righteousness. Um, those are things that I'm going to start. Uh, so I'm going to write that verse out physically. And if you're a parent, then I realize, um, especially a parent of young kids, you have no paper or journals that don't have pictures all the way through them. And your pens and pencils have disappeared a long time ago. So this is what you do. You got a printer somewhere in your house, I hope. Go get a piece of paper off the printer, find a crayon, you probably stepped on it on the way, and then you can write this out. It doesn't have to be some magical book you keep. It's awesome if you can keep it in a journal because you can go back and kind of see what God has been teaching you. You can review those lessons. But writing the scripture out helps me so much. That, that for me had been life-changing because before what I grew up doing like in my 20s is I would read scripture, close the Bible, put it down, and like within a minute or two, I'm like, I don't remember what I read. Like I have no clue. When you write it out, it'll come back to you all throughout the day. Little, little reminders of what God is trying to talk to you about that day. Um, so what does O stand for? Observation. So we kind of made those observations um, already. You're just going to write down what you observe, like questions you might have, who, what, when, where, why, and how. You knew that would come in useful someday in school. Uh, now it's coming useful into your life. So um, just ask those questions about the Scripture. Who's being talked to? What, what's being talked about? Why is, why is he using a word like little children when he starts off verse 28? Uh, what does abide mean? Those are things that you can go look up maybe through the next week or next few days. Um, but just write them all down. It just helps you organize and get a little bit more uh, understanding of what the Scripture is saying. And then I like to throw one in here real quick. It's, it's the I. It just doesn't sound good to say a soy app. It just it doesn't really roll off the tongue like soap. But it, it, this is the idea. What's the A? Let's go to the A real quick. What does that stand for? Application. I'm just putting some people on the spot here. Application. I want to write down how this information that I'm getting, what this scripture passage has taught me. Maybe it's something I need to understand about God or myself or something I should do, put into practice or not do, take out of my life 
So that's the application. I'm going to write that down. My application. God, I should abide in you. I should draw close to you. I should spend time with you. But that gets us back to the I, which is um, we observe and we need to interpret. Um, we have to understand what God meant the scripture to say. Um, and this is a phrase that I, I kick back against a little bit. What does the scripture mean to you? I do kick back against that because it really matters what, does the scripture, what did God want the scripture to mean? He had, he had a meaning for it. But there's an infinite number of applications. So one, one interpretation, there's an infinite number of applications because we're all different. We're all in different places in life. We all have different circumstances. So don't steal to you maybe something very different to me. Um, it may be not, you know, if you're a kid who's eight years old, it may mean not taking bubble gum off the, ca- the checker line as you're going through Fred Myers. For me, it may mean don't cheat on your taxes. Um, so there's different applications, but the same interpretation. Does that make sense? Um, the P stands for prayer. So, so far in my paper, I'm going to write the scripture. I'm going to write my observations. I'm going to write down what my application is. Like, what, what, what am I going to do with this? I'm going to abide in you, God. So my prayer is maybe a couple-line prayer. Father, please help me to draw close to you this week, to take time out of my schedule to spend with you. Amen. There's my prayer. I've just done my soap. Maybe it takes you five minutes. Maybe it takes you 15 minutes. Um, there's not a time. It's more the habit to develop of spending some time with God. Um, so that's soap. There's another way you can hear uh, from God, and that is through life circumstances. Um, and I want to give you an example. We call it, we, we've gone through this. Um, we didn't come up with this. It's actually like a, a learning development circle. Uh, you may have gone through a similar thing, uh, but somebody decided, well, I think that's how God also is working in our lives. Uh, as long as we, we include God in that process, then we can see spiritual growth in our lives. And we call it the Kairos circle, which is a weird word. Kairos. Um, and Kairos is a Greek word for time, but it's not like the time we think about. We think about time, the chronos time. You might have heard that word. Time that is sequential, like we have this moment, right? And now it's that moment. It's no longer this moment. It's always this moment. It's always moving forward. You can never go back, right? So that's, that's like our life, our timeline in life, right? We have birth over here, and we have death over here, and everything we're living is in between. Kairos is an opportunity or a moment that kind of steps outside that time. And so it's, it's a God moment. It's, it's a God kind of bringing something, an, an issue to light that really stops you in your tracks, and you, you, you want to pay attention to it. And this is where it can be a self-help circle if you keep God out of it and just try to change your behavior. It can be a God moment and a life-changing moment when you put God into this and you realize that God is directing this. So it's a circle. So I'm going to try and draw a circle. Success. All right. You know how much I stress on that. Uh, so the first thing in the Cairo circle, um, so now I'm putting my back to you. I apologize. But uh, we observe. We observe our behavior. For me, I got pulled over by the police, and I, I still was nice, but I was nice for a different reason. And that kind of got my attention. It really did. It, got, it kind of stopped me a little bit. Why, why, what has changed? Well, I've been drawing close to God. So now I'm, I'm reflecting over here. So I observe what's going on, something that I'm, I'm seeing, my behavior, my, my feelings. Now I'm reflecting. Why am I feeling this way? What, what was my behavior? What led up to it? Uh, why was I, you know, flipping somebody off in traffic? Uh, I'm a believer. I don't think I should be doing that. Um, well, they were driving horribly. Well, it doesn't matter how they drive. I've got to respond to that in a godly way, maybe. Um, that's reflecting. It's kind of analyzing, digging a little bit deeper. Um, and the last one is discuss. And it's kind of what we're doing right here. We're talking about it with, 
I trust you guys, and so I'm talking to you about this. You know, my, my inner workings about being pulled over, that I feel like in the past I've been super selfish about why I've been kind to people, um, and now God, because of this, this, this appointment that I had with this officer, I was able to change why I was treating him nicely. Um, so I'm discussing it with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of, and getting your opinion. There's a few people that I know that if I call, um, and I said, this is what I'm thinking, they would either say, yeah, that's, that's accurate, that's right, that's godly, or they would say, nope, you're full of it, stop it. Um, that I trust enough to be able to speak truth into my life, and I listen to them. Um, that's the kind of person you want to discuss with, someone who's a little either on or further down the road of mat- Christian maturity than you are. Um, so the next one, so we've also gone through this with our team, so does anyone know what the next one is? Plan, plan thank you. On the spot. So we're going to develop a plan of action. What am I going to do? Well, the next time I get pulled up, first I'm going to realize that God is putting different people unexpected into my life. I wasn't expecting to get pulled over on the old Glen, but I got pulled over. Unexpected, so I have an opportunity. So I'm going to look for unexpected appointments that I can have an opportunity to care for people. That's my plan. Next time I have someone comes up to me for no reason, I'm not expecting it, I'm going to try and do something a little different. So I'm going to plan. Uh, what's the next one? Account. Account. Thank you. You're like, well, did he know it, or did he just want to know if someone else knows it? You'll never know. Um, account. So I'm going to talk about it again with, with you guys. I'm telling you. So now you know. You can ask me, how, how are you treating people? Are you just trying to use people to, not, you know, not, to get out of trouble or to get something you want, or are you being kind because you want them to see the love of Jesus? Um, that's account. You're telling somebody you trust to maybe check in with you, see how you're doing. And the last one is act. Do something. Take a step. I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to put my plan in. I've got somebody to kind of nudge me along a little bit, and I'm going to act. Um, And the hope is, when you get through this circle, if you do it well, that instead of continuing on the path that you were on, your life path changes slightly. You've grown. And you may go through this over and over again. You may be the same issue over and over again, but if you have incremental changes, you've really started altering your life. As we draw close to God, we're going to go through this many times. Um, There's two sides to this circle, and it's worth saying, um, there is a repent side. And if you remember, repent is changing the way we think about things. So this all deals with, um, it's observing what we're doing, why we're doing it. It's getting kind of down into what's motivating me here, why, where is this coming from? So it's the repent side, changing my thinking. Then we plan, account, and act, and this is the believe side. Repent and believe, and you may like, well, that's kind of weird. Believe is kind of the action part of this plan, but our actions are a result of what we believe. Our actions truly show what we believe. You can fake it, but when you're under stress, your beliefs will come out in what you do, um, and that's kind of what John is talking about in our passage here. Um, yeah, so the hope is that you get through this, and you might hear us talk as, as a team, uh, what was your Kairos moment this week? And that can be kind of become the language uh, that we use with each other. And what it really is saying, have you seen God do something in your life? Has he gotten your attention? Are, is he working you through some stuff? And that leads us really to the last thing, which is how do we talk to God? Because I think this can be a, a, a tricky thing for people that aren't used to maybe talking with God. And for a long time, I just had one-sided prayers. I asked God to forgive me all the time, and I asked God for stuff. Right? I don't know. I hear some laughing, so you're kind of with me maybe a little bit on that. Um, so I found when I, early on there was a, an acronym that, that somebody said, and it stuck with me. It was ACTS, A-C-T-S. 
I was going to do cats, but I really hate cats, so I couldn't do that. Um, it just, maybe it'll work for you. Um, so this is, oops, adoration. It's a word we don't use a lot, but I'm, gonna, I'm really just going to either speak out loud to God or think in my head. He hears our thoughts, so you don't have to always be out loud. If you're driving with me on my truck, uh, if you could be a fly on the wall or a fly on the window in there, um, you would hear me talking um, to God. I like to pray out loud in my truck. There's just something about saying it um, for me. But if I'm with a group of people, I may be praying in my head. So uh, both work. But I'm going to talk about how awesome God is. I'm just going to tell him simply I, I adore him. Not for what he's done, but for who he is. And that's really taking time out to acknowledge that. God, thank you for being so creative. Thank you for this place that I get, to, or I, you're such a creative God. This place is awesome. Uh, you are a loving God. Thank you for being so loving. So uh, C is confession. And that's the one I used to get stuck on. Confession. I'm going to confess my failings, my shortcomings, the desires that aren't lined up with God's desires. Thanksgiving is T. That's a long word. Thanksgiving, I'm going to thank God for what he's done. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for providing for my needs, that I have food on the table, that I have friends that I can laugh and cry with. Thank you for the vehicle I drove here today. Just anything and everything. And then the last one is supplication, which is another word we don't use a lot. But the root is supply. Talk to God. Ask him, ask him for your wants, your needs, your desires, your dreams. Don't be afraid. I want a new four-wheeler. God, would you help me get that? As we abide in God, as we draw closer to God, it's interesting how these things will start to change. The things we'll ask for will start to line up with God's heart too. The hardest one for me is the thanksgiving. When I find that I am drawing close to God, it's easy to do thanksgiving. When I find that I'm away from God, it's the hardest thing in the world for some reason. So for me, that's my indicator. If that's hard, then, then I know I need to draw closer to God. Um, if we have a course, uh, uh, one of our groups, we call it Crash Course, and we offer it uh, each semester. So we're gonna offer it in September. Uh, it's gonna start September 23rd. Uh, we go through this in a lot more detail, and we, we really wanna answer uh, the issue of how do I connect with God? How do I truly connect with God in a practical way? So if you want that, you can go to the Engage area afterwards, my shameless plug, um, and you can sign up right, right now. Uh, September 23rd, it starts. It's only a two-hour course. It doesn't go on week after week. It's just come, um, and we'll go into a lot more depth in this uh, so that you can have a, a more vibrant relationship with God. If you've come in contact with God through the grace of Jesus, you can't help but live life differently. But I think most of us have this idea that uh, we don't really think about, like, I got to work to purify myself. I got to work to, uh, to do the right thing. I always kind of hope maybe, if you're like me, it's just going to happen by accident over time. That someday I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be more like God. It's just going to be magical, right? Um, and I won't play a part in it at all. But if you're a believer in Jesus, I believe God is saying, draw near to me. Abide in me. And as a result, you're going to see your life forever changed. If you're not a believer, I believe God is telling you, I have forgiveness for you and I have a new life that I want to offer you. I want you to be part of my family. If you believe that Jesus is right, if you believe his righteousness is enough to cover your, your sins, that his righteousness was perfect on the cross, then you can have that adoption as God's children today. 
So I encourage you, make those decisions, please. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are a God who didn't just stand afar off. You didn't just uh, create the world and let it spin, and maybe you're going to check in on it in a few thousand years. But, Lord, you are a God who is involved in our everyday lives, Lord, and you want to have a relationship with us that, that abides. You want us to be close to you. You want it to be close to us. Lord, when we are declared your children, you have made it so that we uh, can see drastic change, not just in our behavior, Lord, but in our, our motivation and our very core being has been changed, Lord. Uh, and that plays out. So, Lord, I pray uh, that we would draw near to you and that we would see incredible change so that others can experience that as well, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're a personal God, that you're not just a cold uh, uh, manager of time and space, Lord, but that you are a God who wants to walk with us through the everyday good, the bad, the mundane, the exciting, that you're right there with us and you're actively involved in, in in, in those things, and, and we, you want us to see, uh, you want us to see your love for us in those situations, Lord. So thank you uh, that you are that God. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for new life. Thank you for hope. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.